Today's guest on the Bitcoin.com news podcast is Bastion inventor Daniel Tcheko. Daniel was on the podcast back in January, and you should go listen to that episode to learn more about how Bastion works as an open source social media platform. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Uh, thanks for having me back. And uh, hello, everybody. Would you please start by uh, telling us about the latest development with Bastion over the last six months? Uh, how many users are you up to now and all of that? A short thing, Bastion is growing. Even, you know, as you know, it's, not, it's a non-corporate open source platform, just like Bitcoin. So there's not like uh, VC money involved or anything like that, but it's growing very well. It's close to half a million users at this point. Uh, and uh, it's growing in a number of languages. Lately, the German segment started growing too. Uh, and the goal of our development is always the same. We're striving to provide you with that uh, can help you have access to information, even in very dire circumstances. So basically, censorship resistance, resilience, robustness, those are the keys to our development and also ability act economically, basically buy and sell when uh, some things hit the fan, if you know what I mean. So that's been our focus in the last six months is to make the network more resilient. We've added, you know, hundreds of new nodes. Uh, the network is growing. The user base is growing. Uh, there's been um, some websites are adopting PocketCoin, which is the, the token for payments. Uh, there's a big uh, supplement website called Asia Biofarm that now accepts pocket coin, which they sell kind of a lot of supplements. It's a really big website. So we're moving in the direction of providing kind of a comprehensive platform. You could call it comprehensive survivability platform. <laughs> That's very interesting. Um, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should get into that right now. Um, the whole uh, survivability and, you know, what do you do when uh, S hits the fan? Uh, so. What are you, your views on, on you know, if, if we'll see like an international cyber warfare, how will that impact people's lives and how, um, you know, should they prepare for that? And how is uh, Bastion as a, as, a, as a network is preparing for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're, we're heading into an environment that Bastion was created for. Not that I'm particularly happy about it. When I started building Bastion and my thought was that if these things never materialize, I would be happy to have like a small niche platform, but it looks like uh, they will. And uh, what we're seeing right now is a basically intersection of many different crises. So I think that the, the type of outages or cyber wars you speak of, it's not a question of like if it's going to happen, but really more of a question of when. And um, we're seeing... Uh, Major a number of major crises overlapping at the same time, and uh, particularly two that uh, we are interested in protecting from are the uh, cyber right technological kind of crisis outages and financial, and I think those those two clearly are are, are interrelated. Uh, for example, if there were a major outage on the internet. Uh, then the banks will stop working, right? I don't know if you follow the news from China, for example. There are a number of banks that are not giving up back money, not giving back the deposits for weeks now, claiming that it's an IT infrastructure problem. 
that they're upgrading the system somehow. Now, I don't know what that's about, but that's a fact. You can watch the videos with thousands of people, you know, basically congregating around those banks, being chased around the police by the police. Um, and this is all a fact. And we know that a lot of the time what happens in China seems to somehow pop up in the rest, uh, in the rest of the world. So um, what uh, my, my opinion is that over the next year or two, we're going to see the following things. We're going to see some internet outages. And by that, I do not mean a complete destruction of the power grid or, or nuclear winter or anything like that. I don't mean anything that extreme. Obviously, in that scenario, Bastion will not work and you have much deeper things to worry about. Uh, I'm talking about internet outages that are similar to like when Facebook went down. Remember, in I think October of 2021 or something when it took down large parts of the internet with it. The internet was functional, but DNS didn't work. The websites didn't open. Some systems were down. It could happen due to a hacker attack, some sort of cyber war. Uh, it could happen to many other things. You know, uh, some climate, you know, we were seeing unusual weather. It could be some, um, you know, some kind of magnetic waves or something like that. So we could have an outage. Now let's think about, if internet, um, large parts of the internet are down for a week, what we're going to see is we're going to, first of all, you're not going to have access to information. Essentially, you're going to have one or two um, sources of information that you won't be able to check their veracity. Uh, that's the first thing. So that already is a danger, dangerous situation where you can't get different points of view. Um, the second uh, thing that will happen is that banks will not work. Your credit cards will not work. We had a situation in Canada recently. Uh, we had a situation in Canada recently when uh, people weren't able to use their debit cards or anything like that for, for quite a while, for a few days or something because of the internet outage. So we're going to see those things superimposed and think about what that could mean for you, right? Your, your, your uh, MasterCard and Visa may not work, may or may not work. You don't have access to the information and you may not have communication with your with your friends. So you can't buy anything, you can't communicate with many people, or at least with some of the people. That is a very serious problem. And uh, Bastion is built to get around that for a number of reasons. So first of all, it works like Bitcoin in that it, it runs on a network of nodes. There are hundreds of nodes around the world and those nodes are redundant. So even if half of them or three quarters of them go down, the network will be fine. It may be a little bit slower, but but it will work. And it doesn't depend on the website. So there is a website, bastion.com. It's B-A-S-T-Y-O-N.com. Why? It's a letter Y in the middle. Uh, but that is just a window from Bastion into the old legacy Internet 2.0. The real Bastion is the app, is the desktop app for the computer. It's a mobile app too, but the desktop app is the most resilient because it's an app you put on your computer, whether it's for Linux, Mac, or Windows. Notes. Um, and uh, that way, even if all of the DNS doesn't work, large parts of the internet are down or shut down or blocked, you will be able to communicate with the nodes. That's how Bitcoin was built. Originally, if you read like a forum where Satoshi discussed uh, with some of the early kind of pioneers of Bitcoin, different situations, they actually discuss like what happens if a whole country is cut off from the internet or a large part of the country is cut off or a region, how will that work? And that network is resilient and Bastion works the same way, except it's a social 
and money platform and not just the store of value like Bitcoin, which Bitcoin is king, right? It stores value very well. But uh, Bastion has a social component and an app that speaks directly to the nodes. Yeah, so in that case, I would say you'd have to download the, the desktop app uh, beforehand, right? And already be... Preferably, otherwise, or, or somehow get it from, but preferably before. You could somehow get it in the crisis, but then it'd be harder for you to verify its, uh, you know, its accuracy, its veracity. So I will give you a link, Avi, to put under the podcast where people can go directly and download the app for their the platform to have it and to use it to get used to being in a world that's unstable and you know don't just expect that everything will work just in time it will not yeah i think we're all uh are getting more and more aware of that um another thing i wanted to ask you is that i saw that um you've uh you've, you've announced that you're uh including the tor network uh can you explain more about that like uh, like technically, what does that mean? And also what's the importance from an end user point of view? Definitely. That was a massive project. And again, uh, our, our goal, the goal of the development team, which has now has uh, close to 30 people around the world, uh, is, is a big team. Our goal remains resilient censorship resistance, first and foremost, and uh, facilitating financial transactions in the social, in the social realm. So... Uh, Tor, you know, if you go back to the regular Bastion without Tor, it is already kind of like Tor. I already described it, right? Your desktop app, when you spin it up, it will look for nodes just like a Bitcoin node would. It looks for a node that it can connect to. It checks the load and the speed of the response and finds a node in the world somewhere that responds relatively quickly and will connect to it. It doesn't use any centralized services. It has its own proxies. It's literally, there's nothing between you and the node. So the, the node could be halfway across the world. You know, you could be in, in the States and the node could be in, you know, Israel or Vietnam. You connect to it and that's it. You're part of the, part of the network. So already regular Bastion was envisioned uh, to have these direct connections uh, to not be reliant on kind of a DNS service or centralized or, or SSL certificates. We all know they're highly centralized, right? And they could also stop working. Uh, but the Tor network, we decided to add it and put a lot of effort into it because it provides some additional um, additional features. So first of all, Tor provides additional privacy. By default, Bastion is a highly private network. We believe privacy is a human right. It is not for criminals. Privacy is for law-abiding people. In fact, I think that's kind of what distinguishes humans from animals is a desire to be private. Uh, but even some animals will, will want privacy at certain times. So uh, privacy is important in Bastion. When you register, you don't have to give your name. You don't have to give your phone number. You don't have to give your email. You have to give nothing. But even so, just like with Bitcoin, if you're connecting to a certain node, that particular node, if it's um, uh, you know evil and if it's taken over by people who want to track you, they could put in additional uh, scripts to track your IP address, for example. Now, most of the time, that means very little because your IP address that's shown would be the IP address of your provider and not your unique IP address behind kind of the firewall behind the NAT. But still, uh, to improve the privacy, you can turn on Tor. It makes things a little bit slower. But then at that point, even in the most paranoid scenario, 
uh, your your IP address is is kind of not known, right? Because the Tor network has different bridges, and we've actually integrated Tor not the way the Tor is integrated in Tor browser, but a more advanced. They have a new thing called Snowflake protocol. We integrated that. So in some countries, uh, Tor browser does not work. For example, in Russia, if you download a Tor browser and you don't do an additional setup, Tor will not work. But the Bastion Tor will work because it's already set up with the Snowflake protocol. I don't know why they called it that, but but uh, so it's a it's the latest version of Tor, and it's meant to first of all like give you more privacy, but also to we know that China has the capacity to block certain kinds of traffic, so they can go very deep, not just block websites, not just certificates, but block like Bitcoin traffic. They could do that if they wanted to, and I think more and more countries are getting that ability to say, okay, you know what, this Bastion thing. We don't like it. People can buy stuff outside of our coupons, you know, digital central bank, digital currency or coupon or whatever. Uh, we don't like that. Let's stop that traffic. Well, Tor uh, allows you to get around that, right? It allows you to get around those restrictions. And we're adding other things like traffic encryption. So in a sense, Bastion desktop app, it's not just engineered to be minimally viable. You know, that popular term MVP, minimum viable product. Uh, no, it is not minimally viable. It's actually over-engineered. We're over-engineering it to provide extra and extra degrees of robustness. So after Tor, we are working on more tra traffic encryption between, so even with Tor, it's still additional layers, additional layers of encryption, obfuscation. The reason for that is we're pretty paranoid. Uh, we're pretty paranoid about where things are headed. And let's say three years ago, most people thought that we are extremely unrealistic and paranoid. Today, I think more and more people realize that they say, well, maybe what you're doing is an overkill, but it has some validity. Um, I, I do believe that um, uh, it's good to be resilient, right? Even if you don't need that resilience, that's fine. But you should be smart and you know have that extra degree of protection. So Bastion is a way for you to get information, to chat with people, and to do e-commerce in an environment where most of the internet is not operational and Tor network gives that additional layer of resilience. Gotcha. So you're saying that it's not just uh, Tor level security. It's, it goes well beyond that, including uh, being resistant to like uh, packet level inspection, which I think that's how the so to be clear, packet level works. inspection is the next step after Tor. So that that's coming after Tor. That would be encryption, uh, mm -hmm. but Tor does allow you to get around things as well because the Snowflake protocol can look for bridges and get you around certain spots, uh, mm -hmm. and so that already gives you some resilience. The ultimate resilience will be also when we fully encrypt the bastion traffic. And it'll be much even even harder. So we're constantly adding things. As it is right now, it's already by far the most resilient uh, thing that you can imagine. You know, much more resilient than any crypto, even decentralized crypto out there. But we're continuing to build additional layers. You know, that's why it's called Bastion, right? Yeah. So and 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 even let's say there are. Uh, I mean, of course, there are these people. Uh, online that think that even Tor is compromised, right? Would you uh, suggest to them to use uh, uh, Bastion for their uh, communication? Uh, you, you, you would say that it's more uh, um, more secure than, than Tor itself? 
Well, I, I think the regular bastion is already in many ways secure because you're able to connect to different nodes. Or if you're really worried about that, you can run your own node right in the desktop app that I described. We've built something called the easy node. It's a node that's set up with a few clicks and a GUI. So you don't need to know anything about crypto nodes. It's very, very simple. It's not as functional as a full kind of Linux command line node, but it, it works very well. It's within the app and you can actually spin up your own node. And then all the social media stuff you do will go through your node and the external world will see nothing. Like there's nothing other than the fact that you're running a node of, of Bastion of some sort, right? So um, you can, there are different degrees of kind of privacy that you go to. So the standard Bastion desktop app is already private. Why? Because you have no personal information tied to anything. And you can connect to different nodes. Uh, it, you can switch to different nodes or you can choose a node, for example, that is very far away and work with that. Uh, so that already gives you some protection. Additional protection can be given if you wanna put run your own node and just connect your own node. Then the whole world doesn't see anything you do with the social network other than what your node does. Turning on Tor helps because it further obfuscates. If you don't run your own node, I would say if you run your own node, you don't need the Tor, right? You don't need that protocol. If you run, if you don't run your own node because running your own node requires pretty much keeping your computer up, uh, then you need Tor because uh, it could help obscure uh, your your uh, IP address. It could also help you get around the blocks, like certain types of traffic. Uh, it would get around the blocks. Okay. Now, if you really want to overkill it, get, you know, on top of that, you can put a good VPN. That's not necessary because the desktop app for Bastion already is a VPN in some sense, uh, almost like a tool-haired VPN. But you could get a VPN to further obscure it. And the final thing we're working on uh, is the encryption, full encryption of the traffic from Bastion to Bastion, from node to app or, or whatever. That will be the kind of the... I would say the the big boss, as they call it in computer games, like that would be the thing where even the traffic between the nodes is encrypted and cannot be stopped. So think of it as like a modular, it's like a Swiss knife, you know, it's a modular tool to help you be connected to information like presidents, you know, they have their own presidential communication service in extreme times, they will not lose communication. Well, you should be like that. You should prepare for, for extreme times and to have some communication because in Bastion, there's also encrypted chat. But let's say your favorite bloggers, you know, guess what? If things go really south, you will not be able to go on uh, YouTube or even BitChute or, or Rumble to see that because parts of the internet will not be working, large parts of it. So you will not be able to get the information that you need. Then if you go to your favorite, let's say that you need to order some very important supplies like medical supplies, right? You need some health products that you can survive without. You go to your e-commerce website where you order it, guess what? It will be down in that situation. A lot of people will be hurt because of that. But in Bastion, if you prepare and you use it, you can find people that will sell it to you and you can actually do e-commerce right in chat. The encrypted chat in Bastion has ability to send pocket coin verifiably. So you don't need any clearing houses. You don't need Visa MasterCard. You don't need to send cash by mail. You know, who knows whether that will work, you know, uh, even gold, you know, gold is maybe great for storing the value, but how are you going to send it anywhere? So the resilience of Bastion is in the fact that when things go bad, it provides a social 
platform with information and e-commerce. I see. Can you uh, tell me how do you get to, um, let's say, the average, I don't want to say Facebook user, let's say the average Telegram user, right? Or the average uh, uh, crypto investor, like how do you convince them that, um, you know, this level of encryption is needed for them? And it's not just like, uh, like because I, I, I can understand why uh, uh, Edward Snowden, right? Or uh, people that have sensitive um, information yeah. to get, get out there, they, they would want it. But how do you explain to the, to the average, uh, uh, let's say, well-informed person that they need it? Well, uh, I, I would say, look around you. Look around, the world has changed. You know, we're all Snowden now to some degree. Like Turkey recently, like, let's take an example. I'm not going to use China because it's totally dystopian. Nobody believes that what happens in China will come to the rest of the world. And I hope it doesn't. But I mean, in China, quite frankly, for uh, even personal messages are censored. You know that? If you send a message to a friend through a private chat, it will be censored or can, can earn you kind of a bad status in their social credit system if you use inappropriate terms. You know, that's China. But let's go outside of China. I mean, Turkey recently passed a law where for uh, spreading fake news, and you know, who knows who's going to decide what really is fake, you're going to get three years of jail minimum. Think about that. So you write something or you repost something that turns out to be inaccurate. Maybe it is accurate, but somebody deems it inaccurate. Three years of jail right there. You know, Russia passed some similar laws. It's not just China. Europe is getting there every day. UK just announced that they're going to have like a truth score for every social media user. So think about, think about it. Uh, so you're, everything you do on YouTube, you comment some video on YouTube. And all of a sudden, today, you, what you write may be totally acceptable. But in a year, it may, be, may seem like... Uh, something really extreme. Do you want that kind of scrutiny on you? Uh, I already saw that uh, on some, some job interviews, they're not going to require, they're now going to require like a year or two of social media history profile to watch what you are saying. They're going to require that. So how valuable is it to have ability to um, consume content, to discuss content without identifying yourself? I believe that's vital to humanity and, and just, you know, I'm not going to use these uh, fancy words, you know, fighting for freedom. Ultimately, I think it's just common sense. Why would you, given what's going on in the world, given the trends, not want a tool that will protect your privacy and also when things get really bad, that will allow you to buy some medicine or something or some food when, when you know, there'll be, uh, there'll be outages with e-commerce, let's say, you know, so... I think it's uh, all it is, is just look around you. If you don't think something like Bastion is needed, then uh, in my humble opinion, you're not really watching what's going on in the world. Yeah, one, one might say that, uh, you know, if, if even four years ago, we would have known like the current state of the world, we would have uh, dismissed it as uh, dystopian. We wouldn't have believed uh, a lot of what's going on, like you highlighted. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when uh, five years at this point, five, well, four and a half years ago, when Bastion was really go, starting to get going, back then it was called PocketNet, 
I talked to people about the reason for doing that. They, they said, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? Why would you build a social media platform in such a complicated framework? Because the way the infrastructure in Bastion works, everything takes 10 times or 100 times longer, right? To, to put a simple feature, like Facebook would put a feature, for example, you know, let's think of a certain feature, ability to delete comments uh, under your post, right? The normal social media feature to control your page. It takes uh, months to do that because you need to actually write it in the nodes, which are written in C++. Then you need to make a release, which is essentially a hard fork. Uh, then you have to give it weeks until all the nodes around the world update. You know how that goes, right? And then you have to build the front end to use those well in parallel. So it's, it's an extremely complex way of building things. And most of the people thought it's not necessary. Now, I think most people I spoke to change, change their mind. And, and thankfully, there are a lot of people that, you know, this project, quite frankly, wouldn't survive without them. I'm just like, I'm a math geek. And I think I do have some vision, but I'm not a programmer. You know, uh, I do program for research purposes for math, but I wouldn't write C++ code to the degree that the, the, the core team devs do it or JavaScript or, or whatever. Uh, so these people came out of nowhere, highly competent people that would say, you know what, I see the value for this, I'm going to do this. Uh, same thing with, you know, uh, people who help with all, all kinds of, uh, in all kinds of ways, they, they come out of the woodwork just at the right time. So it just gives more confidence to people that this project is needed. That's, that's amazing to hear. Yeah, that's the, that's the power of uh, open source, you know, that, that people... Yeah. Uh, show up when when there's a need and um Absolutely. like you said uh bastion is more than just a a social network it also has the the, the fact that you can uh you know trade or engage in in an e-commerce e right in the in the platform so can you give us uh some uh new examples of uh pocket coin being used uh like for payments uh you mentioned in the start a uh, 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 supplements or a, a health yeah, store? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. You can put it on the podcast. There's a big supplement store that actually they've uh, contracted and there's a plugin, just like Bitcoin plugins for PHP for e-commerce websites that now accepts PocketCoin. So they're doing that. But again, that's a web 2.0 website. You can actually do this right in Bastion. So in Bastion, PocketCoin is used, first of all, you can use it to, promote content, which is very valuable nowadays because um, uh, it's not so easy sometimes, let's say, to promote health-related stuff on Facebook, right? And it's expensive. On um, Bastion, you can promote it with very simple transactions, kind of smart contract pocket coin. But more, more importantly, even than that, uh, you can interact in an encrypted chat. So let's say that uh, you want to do e-commerce when nothing is working. Well, as long as some internet is working, Bastion will be, and you can have an encrypted chat with the person and you can send money right in that chat. So there's no need to say, you know, even with, um, with a lot of other crypto, even Bitcoin, which I'm a huge fan of, you need a lot of different kinds of infrastructure to connect, right? For example, you want to have a, everything is down and you want to try to transact in, in Bitcoin, buy something. Well, you need to have a connection to that person, right? You're not going to talk to them through Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just the way you're going to send money to them. So you need to have some encrypted chat somewhere. Let's say Telegram. And Telegram is a good platform, though I am myself am certain that it will succumb 
to pressure and will start censoring very badly very soon. But it's a good platform right now. Still, you have to find that person. You have to find their Telegram. When you speak with them on Telegram, you have to understand that Telegram is a centralized service. And almost all of the chats in Telegram are not peer-to-peer encrypted. Uh, Telegram can read them. Somebody else can read them or, 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 you know, eventually. So you have all these difficulties in establishing lines of communication. Then when you're communicating in Telegram, somebody sends you a Bitcoin address. Well, how do you know that this is not a man in the middle attack? They're, you know, in chat or something like somebody somehow switched the address or hacked into their, you know, um, uh, somewhere something happens nefarious in the middle. So you have to typically verify, you know, if it's something, a large sum of money, well, let me send you a little bit. Did you get it? I want to make sure. Let's have a second line of communication, kind of like two-factor authorization. So it's very complicated. Crypto itself is not enough. You need to have the social element. In other words, you need to have the connections to other people that you will interact with and you need to have them set up ahead of time and in a platform that will not go down. And that is not easy. Most people don't have that. So it, you know, I think the Bitcoin and, and the typical crypto is a great store of value. It's good for normal times, but when it's extreme, you're not going to have the lines of communication. Whereas in Bastion, if you download the desktop app and you set up private chats with people you know, that you know, but even if you don't, right, the Bastion app will still work. You can find people. There's a whole category there. Bitcoin, uh, pocket coin, peer to peer, and people will offer stuff there, exchanges or goods uh, for for pocket coin. And you can find people, or you can do an ad, and you can open multiple accounts on Bastion. So let's say one account you use for commenting on social media, open another account from which you're gonna put an ad and say, you know what, I'm gonna sell some, you know, goat milk <laughs> in uh, uh, write to me in chat, and we'll talk, you know. And then when somebody writes to you in chat. You can look at their profile, how long they've been around, uh, uh, who they might know, and and so on. So it becomes like a way to establish these horizontal communications with other people. Bastion is a ready-made tool for that because it's a social platform with a crypto component. Whereas if you're just with crypto alone, you're pretty much sitting there waiting for the world to come back online to be able to you know cash in your crypto. Got it. But but I wonder why why do you think uh, if you can share why do you think that Telegram is uh, uh, about to you know uh, radically change the way it does business right now? Well, uh, I think it, it is a centralized corporate service. Uh, corporations. This is not about personalities. I mean, Pavel Durov, who's a founder of Telegram, I think by all accounts he's a a, a great a person. Um, an honest person, he would stood a lot of pressure to date. Uh, I think that, but ultimately, corporate platforms have lots of vulnerabilities. Uh, for example, in Bastion, you know, I'm the founder, but nothing will change if I leave the project, right? Let's say that uh, if somebody comes after me, they get me out of the project. I mean, nothing will change. You just give publicity to the project. It'll just make it more popular, probably give me trouble, but you know, whatever. The the project itself will live. Whereas in Telegram, it's very different. It has a legal entity, it has servers that they rent. Those servers could be shut down. Uh, Germany, for example, already announced legislation to go after Telegram. In Telegram already in many countries, like if you go in Telegram in Germany, it will block channels the German government doesn't like. You have to sort of get 
a different kind of telegram or go through VPN or something like that. So it's becoming harder. And I, I think that this is not a knock against Telegram. It's just a centralized platform. It's a web 2.0 platform. I believe those ultimately those platforms are very easy to crush. You know, Bastion is different because it's a web 3.0 platform. Let's say even if, you know, they got me out of the project, they got some devs out of the project. Let's say even they corrupted the project somehow. There'll be other developers who will just fork it and run a different version of it, run, run a correct version of it. You can't do that to Telegram, can you? I mean, let's say Telegram starts doing really nefarious things. And let's say it's contrary to Durov's will. You know, who cares what he thinks, right? But uh, uh, they, they will just do it. Then can you really fork a Telegram and create your own version of Telegram? Well, you can't. Because for one thing, you need servers. Even if you did have the open source code, which you don't, Telegram is not open sourced, you don't have the servers. You have to have these servers. You have to maintain them. The whole thing about Bastion is that it runs on users' computers. It doesn't require any servers. That is a complete game changer for what the type of scenarios we're thinking about. Yeah, so, so it, it's trustless, same as uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, it's same as Bitcoin. I, I, I don't necessarily like the word trustless. There's always, whenever there are humans, there's some trust involved. But I would say that uh, it is accountable in that Violations of trust can be punished. Now, let's say, for example, we'll look at the Bitcoin fork, right? Uh, there's different people can choose different forks, right? There, there's had that happened before. And in different cryptos, the same thing can happen as well. You can have more than one bastion. Like if somebody comes over and says, I want to build a bastion on a different premise, let me fork it. Great. We're actually planning to do that. We're planning to create an easy module for people to fork Bastion, create different versions of it. So in the sense that you'll be able to log on to Bastion, it will be like Android. You know, like you go on Android, there's all these apps. That's the vision. The current Bastion is, you can call it uh, like a, a flagship app for the platform that's coming. I know already there are people building other apps on the same environment, on the same uh, blockchain. So let's say you go into this platform and you can go to Bastion or you can go to another app and you won't have to create authenticate again. It's going to be like single sign-on because the same um, uh, private key hash will work everywhere. Signature, rather private key signature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you know, since we're already on on the topic of uh, uh, networks, what what's your take on what's going on right now with uh, Elon versus Twitter? Right, uh, the the purchase, the, the the bots. What 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 do you what do you think is uh, is really going on up there? Well, uh, so first of all, I I don't know why it's anyone for anyone. It could be a secret that on social media there are more than five percent bots. Like uh, I think it's uh, it's quite an open <laughs> open secret. I mean, everybody knows there are many bots, and they're very very hard to kill completely. So I think that on Twitter, probably Elon is right. There are probably 20% of bots, but uh, uh, I, don't I don't understand who would believe that there are 5%. It's very difficult to fight bots without affecting humans. I mean, we're, the Bastion team is doing that all the time and we're, we're doing it with some success, but it's a constant arms race and it's never stable. Like on one, on one side of the, of the war, bots will have the upper hand. They found some loophole, all of a sudden they, they move up in numbers. Then the team finds some way to, uh, some additional way to stop them. And then all of a sudden, you know, 
uh, it's the other side that's winning. So I don't, I don't think it's about the bots, honestly. I think that Elon is smart enough to understand that. Uh, ultimately, I will say this. I think that um, it really doesn't matter because centralized web 2.0 platforms are, are dying. They're dying. So for right now, they're dying in a, in a way that they're just like splitting up. So the audience is fragmenting. Instead of being just on YouTube, they're now on four or five different uh, video channels and so on. It's fragmenting. But ultimately, there'll they'll be only two ways out of it. It's either consolidated in some, some dystopian mad thing, or there's going to be Web 3.0 offering that will drive people away completely from Web 2.0. And so that's why we're doing Bastion. That's why we're rooting for more projects to do that. And ultimately, I think that's why Elon didn't buy Twitter. Somehow or other, at some point, he realized that paying $44 billion for a dying business, and that's not dying because Twitter is bad. Twitter's concept and execution are actually pretty awesome. It's dying because it's just, you know, the Web 2.0 centralized platforms are dying. They can't not censor. They can't not be big brother. That's how they're built, right? It's like fighting against their own, um, you know, essence. They cannot be open-minded and freedom-minded platform, only at the outset. Eventually, they have to be big brother. And that's because of that, they're losing trust of people and they're, they're losing users. And Elon realized that $44 billion for a dying business, however great it is, is, is bad. My sense is that he said at some point he would love, he actually said that a couple of months ago, that I would love to build a platform um, that's open source, social media platform that's open source. And I think he even said non-corporate. Uh, I read that. I was like, if I had a way to contact Elon, I would say, you know what, it already exists. But my sense is he's going to try to build something like that, maybe something different than Bastion. But on the same premise, which I think is a good idea. The more the merrier, we're not like, you know, we don't have to be the only one. The more, the harder it is for, for the world to take it down. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was a lot of speculation, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people were thinking, you know, maybe he's, he's not just doing it uh, for the money, but he was actually thinking about how to, use you know open source and and you know make it a, a real uh platform uh that's you know that that can can a, a, a real you know web 3.0 platform like transition it into a new model right and uh, people yeah. say jack was also into that so it could have been an interesting um like development, like like seeing if they can if they can do that. But obviously, you also saw on the like political front, they got a huge amount of of blowback, right? Because of uh, uh, yeah. some of his ideas. So it, it it's interesting. Yeah, if, exactly. If it... And uh, I think that two things happen. First of all, with uh, Jack Dorsey, my understanding is that he's long. He realized this long time ago. He's actually building a social type of world. Uh, based on kind of a lightning network. So he's doing that. So he's also trying to build something like Bastion. I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's it's conceptual only. He's trying to reach the same goals, right? I'm not saying that he's copying it or anything. He's trying to reach the same goals. So I think Jack Dorsey's long past Twitter, even Elon buying it would not bring him back. He realizes it's the past. It's like, it's past. It's just crumbling. For Elon, my sense is that his tone changed when 
he had a call, he had that call with employees of Twitter. And he realized that in order to do anything like what he wants, he would have to like fire everybody. He would have to demolish the whole company and start it anew. And then like the, the logical question that arises, well, do I need to pay $44 billion to do that? It's much easier to pay $4 billion and just build it from the scratch, you know? Yeah, he, w- he would have had an insurrection there if he would have tried to do anything of, uh, you know, exactly. of, of meaningful change. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so let, let's let's get back first of all to the to the matter of the of the token, right? The the uh, pocket, pocket coin. coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you uh, explain uh, why? Uh, do you need a, a specific token, and why should uh, users, uh, you know, choose to 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 use that over you know all of the different coins out there? Sure, it's it's very simple, really. I mean, you know, Metcalf's law that uh, the value of any network, right, grows exponentially with the number of users, or a square rather, a square of the number of users. The thing about uh, when, you, when you're deciding to build a non-corporate network, open source network, the biggest thing that will happen that you need to answer the question of the tragedy of the commons, right? So Satoshi answered the Byzantine general problem, but you need to answer the question of the tragedy of the commons because if you're starting a network, there'll be people who will provide value. So who are those people? People who run nodes, hundreds of nodes around the world, that's electricity. It's getting more expensive. That's hardware. That's internet. They will provide value. How will they get compensated? Right. That's the question. That's the first. Bloggers, right? Authors are going to produce content. It's actually very hard to do that. Most bloggers do a lot of work. It's a hard job, and uh, they also need to earn somehow. If you're building it on a different token, then you have no control over compensating those people, or you would need a lot of like VC money or something. The great, the great point in Bitcoin and in any self-contained blockchain is that it kind of gives birth to value. If the network is valuable, then that value can be compensated by the emission of the token. And that you can, there's no way around it. Otherwise, people don't run nodes. They don't develop because developers also need to get something, right? They're not, they're altruistic to some degree, but not for, you know, they can go hungry. Uh, bloggers and all these people who provide value, they need some va- they need something in return. So your internal blockchain that gives birth to a mission can actually compensate those people and can do it fairly. Can you know you do so much work, you keep up the note, you get coins. The question becomes only is like, what gives those coins value, right? Well, the last thing to say before that is like, you know, I I'm not a particular fan of Ethereum. I will explain to you why. I think that the idea that one blockchain can be a world's computer is just like, you know, that's like for mathematically illiterate. Because if you look at Ethereum, every time there's a spike in transaction, the transaction fees go to the moon. So let's say that uh, something like Bastion is built on Ethereum. I think people try to. What happens then Then to post something, to post a video, you have to pay $30? You know, who's going to do that? Nobody. So... And if you look at the Ethereum, not only it cannot be a world's computer, it can't even be a computer for, for uh, one one hundredth of a world. It's just not possible. That's not blockchain. Essentially, is a technology that trades off scalability for lots of other cool things. Now you can try to make it scalable to some degree, and we're working on that very very hard. 
But to say that one blockchain can be a world's computer, you know, I think it's, it's lunacy. Um, and that's why Bitcoin is so cool. That's why Bitcoin core team and, you know, other Bitcoin, uh, you know, Bitcoin cash, they're not trying to be all these old things to old people, right? You have to have, you know, this is what you do. You have one thing, you, you care about payments or you care about this or you care about that. To try to create a blockchain that's like kind of serves everybody, I think is impossible mathematically. Now, um, for as to, you know, I explained to you why Bastion needs its own blockchain. This is not a gimmick. There's no ICO. There's nothing like that. It's just a complete necessity for a censorship resistant non-corporate project. Uh, because it's not just a coin, right? Many people just fork something. It's very easy to create a cryptocurrency nowadays. 99% of these tokens are completely worthless. You just fork it and you run some nodes. What's what's the use? It doesn't take a lot of effort to do it. Doesn't take a lot of effort to maintain it. You're just like sitting there trying to you know collect money. It's almost like a scam. Ninety nine percent of the tokens are like that. But um, with Bastion, we have real producers, not only node operators, bloggers, you know, developers. Does a lot of work. Now the the pocket coin will derive its value from a number of things. Again, it's the Metcalf's law. If the pocket net or the Bastion network grows, then the pocket coin will have value. Why? Because, for example, you can use pocket coin to promote content. That has value. The more people see that content, and right now there are quite a few people on, on Bastion, you can go in and see you know, how many posts and, and comments and videos there are. You promote content for pocket coin. That's like essentially, you can think of it as a cryptocurrency that's backed backed by the network whereas most cryptocurrencies are backed by nothing uh the the other thing is ability to send pocket coin in, in chat i think is completely it's a game changer i know telegram really wanted to do that but it couldn't because of, because of its corporate nature it was very hard to do but in bastion there's an encrypted chat where it's two clicks to send crypto to one another you know to your friend or to somebody you buy from so uh, the idea that you can use PocketCoin to promote content or do other things within Bastion to send it through encrypted chat is really what gives it value. And people who own PocketCoin, they look at the world and they say, you know what, this kind of network will be needed. It will grow. And therefore, I need to have this coin. It's not, it's not like most of the other tokens where well, let me invest in something that will pump and dump. I mean, that's not, even if you look at PocketCoin, it doesn't behave like that. It's traded on some exchanges. It's a fairly stable you know, token that will grow with the network value. And that's, what people, that's why people get it for real utility. People are boosting content, meaning that promoting content every day. They send it in chats every day. You know, I do it all the time. I send it through chats three, four times a day. It's very convenient. It's much more convenient than the legacy financial system. But when the legacy financial system is down for a few weeks, you'll find that it's like uh, almost like a survival thing. Yeah, let's hope we won't get to see that soon. But uh, like, you, like you said in the beginning that, you know, the, the, the world is changing and uh, stuff like that might, might uh, be in order. Okay, so yeah. I want to thank you, Daniel for taking the time and, and coming and explain to all, all these uh, important uh, developments for us. Um, anyone who's uh, listening to this, right? We said we'll, we'll give them the link to uh, download the app and uh, anything else that they should do if they wanna uh, 
uh, keep up to date with uh, everything that's going on with uh, Bastion? I would say download the app, invite your friends in chat, start, start living the Web 3.0 life. You know, when the world changes, it'll be, too, it'll be very difficult to learn. It will not be too late, but it'll be much more painful. It's better for you to experience the future now, get used to it, uh, be set up, and just download the app and use it. You know, and follow the bloggers you want, connect with friends, you know, comment and, you know, secure your privacy and, and be resilient, right? I think the next few years will be about those people who are thinking about resilience in some sense. That's a, a great message to, to end on. Uh, thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you, Avi. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody. Stay strong. We'll get through this. And thank you for listening to the Bitcoin.com news podcast. Follow us for more interviews with the most interesting leaders, founders, and investors in the fields of cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and the metaverse.